This is a horror podcast. It exists to provoke and alarm and unnerve. None of us will judge you if you turn away. But if you wish to proceed, it's your choice. Yours and yours alone. There is no God. Love is impossible. There is no escape from a cold, uncaring universe. Love is a lie. God is your enemy. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. It's not the same. It will never be the same again. Episode 82, Leverets Through the Hole in the Hedge. Late August, and here is summer in one last handful. Blades of grass for whistles. Daisies for plaiting into chains to wear around our wrists and necks. Buttercups to hold under our chins. Smiling, we twist their stems. We make the golden flowers spin. You must like butter. (laughs) Dimna's eyes are moons behind pink-rimmed specks. Her freckled face is dimpled with a grin. Nowhere near as much as you, I say. How golden the glow upon her chin. We kick our heels behind our backs and both of us wear ankle socks and little patent leather shoes, black and polished and buckled with straps. We pestered our mothers to buy them for us. We could be twins, Dimna Quigley and me. This is happiness. On stomachs, side by side we lie on a woolen blanket, red and white with elephants dancing about the edge. And as I slide a daisy chain onto my wrist, I catch sight of my watch. Five to three, Dimna. The leverets will be out by now. Let's go. And she fixes her glasses on her nose. Wouldn't want to miss them. We rise, the blanket gathered in my arms, and it's a lolling, awkward thing, while Dimpna lugs the hamper to one side slanted with the weight of it. We make our way across the field. Further in, the grass is longer, rising roughly over knees, and we wade through in single file. Dodging stringing strands of weeds and the clinging streamers we call Robin Run the Hedge, it snares our socks and the hems of our dresses, leaves furry fruit upon our sleeves. I follow slow in Dimpna's wake, icebreakers in a wide green sea. In the furthest corner of the field, there is a leafless, lifeless tree, a thickened twist of rotten wood, jabbing fingers into sky, and round its cleaved and swollen trunk there is a stretch of dark green hedge, and this is what we move towards. Near the hedge, the grass runs out. We smooth the blanket on stony ground, and Dimpna puts the hamper down. Look what it's done to me hands! She shows me where the handle has made her palm skin white. Side by side we settle. From here, we can see through the hole in the hedge. Just wide enough for a crawling child, it gapes, a puncture in the green, trimmed with purple thistle crowns, the fried egg splashes of oxeye daisies. The hole looks out upon the ditch. It isn't wide, at full stretch, with aching limbs I could almost reach across, but it is deep and sheer, and there is filthy water at its base, stagnant, haunted by aimless drifts of flies, rainbow-skinned with effluent. Through the hull, on the far side of this abyss, 
we can see the field beyond. The grass is short and lemon green, with cowslips flecked, with dandelions, where fat bees bumble through the air, where ladybirds are drops of blood on blades of grass. Down we get on our stomachs again, propping faces on our hands and kicking feet behind our backs. The sun saw warm upon us, and wind brings us the scent of grass. We wait to see leverets through the hole in the hedge. Dimna points. Look! A smooth pink head bobs above a bower of grass. Ooh. It sniffs the air. It twitches its whiskers and slender ears. One by one, from out a dozen bowers, leverets are lifting heads. Frail and skeletal things they are, heads and bodies hairless, with long pink ears and tails like little lips of skin. They step on grass with broad, flat feet, their front paws bent against their ribs. Looks like they've been skinned with knives. Looks like they've been boiled. The raw beasts hop and shuffle, and movement is an agony. Back legs stretch to ludicrous lengths. They hobble past the hole in the hedge. More are rising. Four, six, seven, eight, nine, thirteen... Twenty-two! <laughs> we lose count. There must be a hundred things, stumbling in awkward procession. Always at this time, in this place. Unpacking the hamper, we eat sandwiches Dimna's mother made for us. Ham and cheese and mayonnaise. Nibbling around a bitter crust, I point, one of the creatures is shambling softly into view. Who do you think that one looks like? Dimna peers through her lenses. I think... I think that's the Talon boy. The one who drowned in the reservoir. I squint. Mm. It has his eyes. And see, the skin's a bit bluer than the others. That's from the... Disfixiation. I nod. Oh, I think you're right, Dimna. The leveret with the face of the Talon boy crosses before the hole and shuffles slowly out of sight. Then it's Dimpness turn to point. Look, there's that Mrs. Cleary who burned herself. Are you sure? I say, trying to remember Mrs. Cleary. Didn't she used to cycle to mass? Yeah, see, the side of her face is all melted and drooping. Oh, it is too. The left side is purple and prune-skinned. Oh, the poor doubt. Wide and bright are Dimpness eyes. That's from when she was lying up against the radiator. After her husband's, you know. Oh, I knew. The whole town did. The leverets, Mrs. Cleary amongst them, hobble past the hole in the hedge. Finishing our sandwiches, I give my crust to Dimna, who likes them more than I do. Then from the hamper we take a heel of bread and Dimna cuts it into squares and she is busy buttering as I go off along the hedgerow looking for a stick long enough to use. I find a long straight branch and wander back, the bread squares waiting on a paper plate. I hold the stick and delicate Dimpness spears a buttered piece. There we go. Oh, that's darling, Dimpna, all together. With bread in place and barely daring to breathe, forward we lean. Careful. Careful now, Circa. Slowly, ever so slowly, we guide the stick through the hole in the hedge. And we wait. Come on now. Don't be scared. And she makes a noise like she's calling her cat. 
Hearing the call or scenting the bread, one of the leverets leaves the line, inching slowly towards the stick. We try to hold it steady. My hands are over hers. As it comes close, we see the face of... Willie Klusker! His son Dermot's in our class. He'd a heart attack at his building site, just when the roof was going on. Mr. Klusker sniffs with his short and whiskered nose. And then, tentative, experimental, he takes a tiny bite. Hey! Mr. Klusker! Mr. Klusker! Is there anything you want us to tell your son? Have you got a message for us? Mr. Klusker, are you happy? (laughs) (laughs) Almost we collapse. It takes all our strength to level the stick. Mr. Klusker finishes the buttered bread, his blank eyes focused on some point in the air between us. When the bread is gone, he licks the stick with a ribbon tongue and absently scratches the skin on his chest. Look, Zerka, look! Mr. Cluster's washing himself. Ooh. Oh, sitting erect on the lip of the ditch, the leveret grooms his long pink ears, dragging those sharp lengths down his face with a tiny hand. Then he stretches one long back leg and nibbles the exposed muscle with his teeth. Aw, he's hungry again. We slump against each other, tittering again. The stick withdrawn, Mr. Klusker wanders off, rejoining the parade of leverets. Good luck, Mr. Klusker. Good luck. Dimpna Quigley waves the stick in giggling salute. See you now. We feed another six in the same way, and that's the end of our heel of bread. Dimpna sits on the blanket, knees tucked up to her chin, hands clasped around her shins. I'm wittering on about something, I don't remember what, but out of the blue, she says. Do you think we could bring one home? I'm caught off guard. Maybe, I say, after a while. But I don't think we should. They look... I was about to say happy, but that wasn't right. Dimpna's eyes are waxing moons. We know what they eat, and we'll give them lots of room to parade. Will they be grand in the back garden, Circa? I don't know, I say. I don't know. But there was never any arguing with Dimpna when her mind was made up. I help her. I don't want her to hurt herself. I don't want to lose her in the ditch. I hold her hand as she stretches away, as she leans across. Just a bit further, just a bit further, I can almost... I can't see. The hole in the hedge swallows her completely. Got one! With all my might, I pull her back. I lose my footing on the stony ground. Look, Circa, look! The leveret she holds has the face of... Josie Whelan. Dimna, I whisper. It struggles, but Dimna closes hands across its chest, gritting teeth and holding it, holding it. I can do it. I can do it. Let it go, I scream. It'll bite you. The leveret bucks, knocking the glasses from her face. And it screams the high and toothless quiver of a newborn freshly pulled loose. I cover my ears and I scream too. She lets it go. It hangs for a moment, a thin and bony thing turning softly in the air. It bursts upon the ground. Dimna looks at it, then looks at me, disgusted. It was cold. So cold. As she wipes her hands upon the grass, I say, let's not do that again. I look at my watch. Time for dinner. We go home. I don't think I'm hungry. Not after that. Neither of us in the mood to eat. The last day of summer, a little spoiled. So summer went, and autumn came. 
and with its school and darkening days and our time with the leverets grew less. And Halloween came. And we should both get dressed as leverets. Two girls in pink with matching patent leather shoes. You'd think we were twins, Dimpna Quigley and me. Our mother took photos of us nibbling buttered bread off sticks and we held hands and went from door to door. Trick or treat! Until I got tired and Dimpna went on ahead until Mr. Cullen's car flung me across a garden and trapped her, broken, against a wall. Dimpna. Dimpna. With one of my legs hanging destroyed, I crawled across the grass to where the car was pinning her. She looked at me, eyes bright moons behind her glasses. Her mouth opened, her mouth closed. She was trying to tell me something. I tried to listen, but Mr. Cullen was screaming. I couldn't hear what she wanted to tell me. I couldn't find her hand to hold. And I go there still, though nine long years have passed. The grass is shorter. The rotten tree long felled, and all around the fields are lost to housing estates. But the hole in the hedge is still there. I sit upon the blanket we always used to bring and reach across with buttered bread, the leverets parade. I can always tell which one she is. Timna, I whisper. Timna. Here's some bread for you. Sometimes Mr. Cullen comes in, but I push him away with my walking stick. None for you, Mr. Cullen, I say. You'll get nothing from me. He looks past me with dead black eyes and I jab him again and he wanders off, rejoining the Leverett's procession, leaving me and Dimna alone. And as she nibbles on the bread, I remember how on that last night her mouth opened and closed without a sound. I bend my head and whisper, Dimna, have you got a message for me? But she just stares into the air between us. Her eyes are bright and round, like moons. And I say to her, I say, Dimna, Dimna, are you happy? Are you happy? Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down Below the Reservoir is written by Graeme Tugwell and performed by Sarah Maria Griffin, Dave Rudden, Deirdre Sullivan and Graeme Tugwell. This podcast is recorded and sound designed at Displace Studios Dublin and produced by Rebecca Gimblet. Down Below the Reservoir is a work of fiction and any resemblance to places or people living or dead is purely coincidental. A new episode of Down Below the Reservoir is available every two weeks through iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play, and at downbelowthereservoir.com, where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. Only through your support and donations is Down Below the Reservoir made possible. Join us. And remember, everyone drinks the water here.